there is balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in Psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up, and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from shale. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forevermore. Psalm 30 in the ESV. Hello and welcome to a post-Presbycast episode of Balm in Gilead. I am am one of your hosts. This is what we really do. This is what we really do. I am one of your hosts, Brian. And sitting across the screen from me is my co-host Grant, who Hi. Hi, was everyone. once on Presbycast with me. <laughs> That's it all. Was I got. Fun. It was fun. I do, I, I do uh, apologize for the word vomit uh, that, uh, but it was so much fun. Like I was like so shell shocked. I guess you, you were giddy. maybe not shell shocked. I was pretty giddy and very excited, and I could not stop talking. Kind of like right now. Yeah, it was, it was pretty much like that. You should go and listen to it for yourself. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, if we're ever on again, Brian, I pledge to you and our faithful listeners that I will have my wife in the same room so that she can tell me when I'm getting a little too wordy. That sounds, that sounds pretty good. And, uh, and so we are making this pledge to, uh, to Chris and to Paul and to Justin to Kevin and Terry, uh, as well as 
Florida man, Chortles, uh, Florida man, and Resby. Chortles, Resby. Especially sure. Chortles and Resby if we are uh, on their show. Um, because we would actually have to pledge to them because they would be hosting us. <laughs> Don't forget all the other curious Presbycast listeners who may be joining us. Uh, welcome. Uh, glad you're tuning in. Um, we hope that you find something worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you to, uh, to people who have reached out to us over email, in person, uh, text, uh, snail mail occasionally. Um, all of those every now and then, every now and then Slack, Slack is a good one. Um, Oh, there's the, uh, the classic picture of John yeah. Calvin sitting in our John Calvin from Chris Ragsdale. Yeah. Sent through snail mail. It was excellent. Appreciate was. it. I never got one. <sighs> anyway, uh, you know, it's, we, we, we do, we thank you. Or we thank our listeners. Uh, we want to, uh, we want to be more interactive with you guys. And so if you would send us a, uh, a snail mail or an email was probably more convenient to there is at balmcast.com. Um, you can check out our website, balmcast.com and leave us a, uh, a form generated thingy. Um, or you can, that uh, works too. or you can meet us on Slack at slack.techreformation.com. And, uh, yeah, we will, we, we look forward to hearing you from you guys. We look forward to interacting with you guys and, uh, and we enjoy answering questions and being stumped by questions and, uh, yeah, and all that good stuff. Yeah, we definitely enjoy that. So uh, Slack is a great place where we can kind of communicate person to person. And we try and hang out there uh, at least as much as we're able. Uh, obviously, we do have jobs uh, full time. And so <laughs> we do uh, try and be cognizant of that. But otherwise, we love uh, hearing from you and uh, what do we got for today so for today uh, I am going to kind of give some uh, extended follow-up slash um, kind of a state of the balm address as to where we are in uh, in things and for our Tis the season as they say yeah well we we are wrapping up season two actually we've got a couple more episodes for you guys Um and so this episode is going to be one of our uh, song versus song battles. We've done a couple of those in the past where we, where we only two go in. Sometimes one comes out. Um, <laughs> and uh, we've, we've done this in the past. It'll be a little bit different today. It's still pretty much the same thing. We will read through the entire lyric of two different songs and talk about um, you know, why we deem one as good and one as not as good. And uh, so, yeah, we've got not that. Preferred. We've got that. Yeah. Not preferred. Uh, so we've got that for you today. And, uh, but yeah, let's, let's uh, get into this follow-up. We kind of, we kind of already uh, stated that we were on PresbyCast uh, last week, or I guess earlier this week Yay. as we record. And, uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Again, yes, it was. Thank you, Chortles and Resby, for having us on. Uh, it was it was a blast. We hope to be on again, and we promise to wear our matching Solideo Gloria shirts next time if you have us on. Um, and Balm and Gilead hats. If we decide to make those, which we're leaning toward. <laughs> um, so merch. Merch. Who's going to buy it? Yeah. So oh. if you are interested, no. Friends and family. Um, so uh, they proposed some very interesting uh, questions to us 
Uh, mm-hmm. The one in particular I thought was was very interesting was uh, about the simplicity of of music and if, yeah. if we should uh, strive toward a simplicity in uh, in uh, in music for worship. It's a concept that I've not put a lot of thought into uh, previously, but it is, I would say, my preference uh, in in general. Uh, whenever I uh, whenever I am in a band at church, I prefer something simple uh, than to something complicated. Uh, I've been in both, and I, I far prefer simplicity. And uh, but they brought some just some interesting an interesting angle in that uh, the more simple the music, the easier it is really to, to focus on the singing. Um, if you have a piano and a piano alone, uh, that is enough to keep the rhythm, to keep the tempo, to keep the, the key, uh, to play all the parts. And so you can actually have, uh, you, you can more or less do away with the choir master position if you are... Um, just having a, an accompanist and uh and I, yeah so the what like the the regular principle of worship and the concept of the you know the good and necessary consequence right mm-hmm. um if we're going to sing we probably should be singing in some sort of common key and mm-hmm. common rhythm yeah uh and However, that is, um, and, and that's what I thought was interesting. Anyway, go on. I didn't want to interrupt, but no, I did. No, no, that's, wanna... that's fine. Um, I'm going to let you finish. Uh, I, uh, after being on that on that show, I found that uh, the Sound Plus Doctrine podcast, which is uh, the Sovereign Grace Ministries podcast with Bob Coughlin, um, they did an episode on using instruments in worship. And, and I, I've listened through most of it, uh, enough of it at least to kind of gather their argument. And they definitely take the approach that assumes people are using instruments as opposed to, in our last episode, I gave a defense of music ministry in general, uh, instruments being a part of that. Um, but they talked about in the New Testament, there is a clear and, and uh, defined command to sing but there is nothing about an instrument instruments at all and then they looked in the old testament they said there are commands or you know at least the ability to use instruments in the old testament there's guidelines and, and such uh, mm-hmm. but the commands to sing far outweigh anything about instruments mm. and uh, and so that they kind of used that argument to be like both the New Testament and the Old Testament have the same importance on singing over instruments. Um, hmm. And just by weight of the verse count, just by weight of the verse count. Yeah. Um, huh. And, uh, and so it, it shouldn't come to a surprise uh, that if there's only, you know, three or four verses in the New Testament about singing, that there aren't going to be any about instruments because there are, so many verses on singing in the Old Testament, and really just a handful on uh, on using instruments. Um, at least, uh, especially on like the the commands to use instruments, or you know, I will praise him with the lyre, you know, things like that. Uh, you, know, you can 
every psalm just about talks about singing and only a handful talk about using instruments. And uh, so so they kind of took that. And uh, one of the things that they said in that particular podcast as well was, you know, we, he says that they talk about, I'm going to get the wording wrong, but uh, non-distracting excellence. They talked about someone who is new at the instrument may not be able to pl- to play excellently. They may be able to play in a way that's non-distracting, but it might all sound the same. Every song might sound identical, at which point it's not excellent. But then you might have someone on the other end that plays every song so well that that's all that people can focus on is how well they're playing. It's a distracting excellence. And so as instrumentalists in the church, we should focus on... Uh, being excellent, like making sure you get your part right. You know, if you have a lead line in between verses, do it right. You know, play it perfect, but uh, but don't play it in such a way that you're distracting everyone with how excellent you're you're playing. Um, and I think that that goes hand in hand with this idea of simplicity. If you keep things simple, then you can have mm-hmm. that um, you can have that non-distracting excellence. And uh, so I, I just I, I kind of wanted to talk about that just just for a little bit. Um, I I'll probably talk about that in lieu of doing a full episode on um, on kind of defining the ins and outs of this those two hats that we talked about last time the choir master and the worship leader. Um, but did you have any uh, did you have any additional thoughts on that on on the that idea of the uh, the simplicity in worship or the uh, undistracting excellence in in worship. Yeah, so I think that idea of simplicity in worship and pursuing that actually can help guard against potential idolatry either on the part of the worship leader or band or whoever is up there in front and the congregation as well. Are you there for a rock concert, there to glorify who's you know set before you? Or are you there to glorify the living God? Obviously, the right answer is you're there to glorify the living God. And by pursuing simplicity, it helps to maintain that focus, right, on the God that you're worshiping. Um, another thing I think that the simplicity helps us do is to see it really as not this great thing that we're doing for God. Because when we come and worship, we're not there because we have this great gift we want to give God. Mm -hmm. No, it's to hear God speak over us. God is the one who calls us to worship. And So we are there to hear a pronouncement of that good news, of the gospel. We are there, you know, just sinners Mm -hmm. um, here to receive rather than to somehow give of our wealth or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, To, and I think the simplicity part helps us stay humble in a way, right? Absolutely. And helps us focus again on what is it that God has commanded us in, in, in a way that God has commanded us to worship. 
Yeah, and um, you know, talking, just thinking back about our last couple of conversations, there is a a very clear correlation between this, uh, even this, just pursuit of excellence in instrumentation and in music ministry, and mm-hmm. a straying from sound doctrine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you just look at Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation, especially. Yeah. Um, you know they have they have very much strayed away from sound doctrine, but their music is fantastic as far as just the music goes. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you ignore the lyrics, the music's fantastic. It, it's very it, it it pursues excellence. It sounds great. You know they they know their instruments. They they are trained vocalists. They uh, you know they've done all of that right, but at what cost? really at, at the cost of everything they've lost it all like it's it's they're they're they are putting lipstick on a pig uh they are casting, it's all gold dust and fog machines it's, it's all gold dust and fog machines and the occasional feathers and such but it's it, it's just <laughs> it, it is become idol worship it's all it is it's, it's idol worship um in the two senses of the of the idea um they are worshiping idols <laughs> but they're also very lazy uh in it um they that's just what it is uh and the fourth of the big four would be passion and i think mm-hmm. where they have really fallen short is they get what they put in their music is typically good but they don't put the whole mm-hmm. story and what they mm-hmm. leave out is um ha- has i believe created a breeding ground for antinomianism um Mm-hmm. Because they're all about the love of God, the love of God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and mm-hmm. and there's no repentance. There's yeah. no there's no calls to repent. There's I want to follow God, but there's no, but I have to repent of my sin in order to follow God. Um, and so we'll get into that in a little bit later. But uh, I was going to say that's a great transition. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great transition, uh, but I'm going to keep going just for a little bit longer, and then okay. We'll, but we'll we will get into that um, in just a second. Um, it's it's a uh, this correlation. I think it's it's too heavy of a correlation to say that it's without causation. There is something about this this pursuit of excellence in music and in instruments that mm. is a distraction away from the truth. It is there. Um, and as a result, I think that there is a way to do it. There is, um, because mm-hmm. I've seen it, but it is a razor thin wire. And, uh, and if you, if you miss it, you're just going to fall into the abyss. I mean, you're just going to fall mm. into not necessarily, driving everyone to hell. Uh, that's, that's not mm-hmm. what it meant, but you're going to, you're going to fall into this, I, this idolatry. Uh, your, mm-hmm. your worship is going to not be as good as it could. Your, your relationship with God is going to be superficial. Uh, it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, but it does mean that you can breed a ground for people to come and enjoy a show and walk away lost. Um, yeah. And God says that there's going to be, you know, a, a there, there's going to be a higher judgment for for pastors yeah. who don't guard yeah. their, their flock. I mean, it's it's there, and uh, and so is it worth it to pursue 
this undistracted excellence in musicianship if the risk is so great like is the is the cost worth it that if you mess up then you're going to fall into idolatry is it worth it and that is the question i'm asking myself that is the question that i am wrestling with right now i i part of me says yes it's worth it because i because i enjoy it and because it's my preference but at the same time that i'm wrestling with these things god has me at a church where there is no music ministry there's a piano accompaniment and i've mm-hmm. en- and i've enjoyed that and mm-hmm. so it uh it would definitely reframe some things for me uh if mm-hmm. uh but I, I do want my listeners to know that I am not someone who thinks I have all the right answers. I'm still searching. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I am just grateful that you guys are along for the ride. So, well, I think that brings up a good point for anybody who is newer to the podcast. We are not your pastors. We are still uh, just trying to figure this out. Thankfully, Brian has been to seminary and has some formal training, but otherwise we're just very interested in this stuff. We really want to pursue um, God, and God, we believe, asks himself to be worshipped in a particular way, which is both humbling and gracious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Humbling in that, you know, maybe we don't, you know, he's asking us to lay aside our preferences in a lot of ways through the regulative principle of worship because it's not what we have to offer God, but again, it's a declaration of what he has given to us. Yes. And I, I can't help but think, you know, you're, I mean, you're not, you're not the only one going through this, Brian. (laughs) Uh, And uh, just to maybe give you some encouragement there. um, I think we're, and a lot of listeners too are, are on that same kind of trajectory trying to figure out um, if the Bible is true, what does that say about God and how we should worship him? If the regulative principle is true, what does that say about our preferences and where those sit within relationship to that? Mm -hmm. And if, you know, what does that regulative principle really mean when we start delving deep into it? And then I would, yeah, I was, I I too took away that the simplicity principle, I guess you could say as helping helpful anyway, in beginning to understand a bit more about how the RPW applies to a lot of the questions I have about itself. If that makes sense. It it does. And, uh, and I want to kind of touch on one more image before moving on, but if if God is immutable, which we believe, he never changes, then what he desires for worship also would never change. And we see these these depictions of, of his worship in the Old Testament, and it's a I mean, it, it can be a wild raucous of a party in some cases. I mean, you think of the the first Chronicles fifteen and you see a wild dance. You see this this musicianship at its highest you see a celebration and and this is acceptable to god um you see this 
throughout the Psalms. You see this throughout the historical elements. You, you see this, and and now you look at you know what you would call reformed worship today, and it does not look like that. It it does not look like that at all, and um, it looks, I think, similar to how it did in the first century when Christianity. Uh, you know, was first established as, uh, you know, not that it necessarily broke away from Judaism, but when Judaism took on its fullness as Christianity, you you take a step back in the, in the exuberant worship, it, it, it seems. And, um, and for that reason, I don't understand. I'm not saying that it was wrong. I'm saying I don't understand it. I don't understand why the reformed worship today looks different than than the celebrations that we see in, in the Old Testament if if God is immutable. What I do understand is that razor thin wire, that mm-hmm. uh, ease of slipping into idolatry. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do understand that. And I also fully understand that when Christ comes down for a second coming we that razor thin wire will go away. Mm. We will have all of our pride stripped away from us. We will have all of our sin nature um, erased. We will be able to pursue that excellence without uh, without distraction, and we will be able to worship Him uh, exactly. We will, first we'll know how He wants to be worshipped because He will be able to tell us without any question. But if if instruments, as I believe, will be allowed. I think that that wild exuberance found in the Old Testament will be immensely, you know, multiplied, and and it will be without sin, and it will be glorious and beautiful, and maybe we are called to wait until that day, when we know that the risk goes away, the risk of falling into idolatry will be gone, and we will be able to just do it freely with with a, without worry. It's a. Yeah, that's a that's a great point there, and I I wanted to mention too about the great celebrations that these things Old Testament worship uh, was at times, but at other times it was it was really like a butcher shop, right? I can't remember if it was like White Horse Inn, Reform Forum, something like that, where they were talking about you know you want to know what Old Testament worship was, go to your local butcher shop. Yeah. And taking the sights and smells, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was this overt picture of the awfulness of sin and what that meant. Yeah. And here were these, uh, you know, bulls and doves and all these different animals, right? Being slaughtered sheep and goats and whatnot. And it, I mean, it stank and it was bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people were meant to take away from that. The church was meant to take away from that. Look, you are, your sin is what is keeping you from God. Yeah. Um, today we covered, and I'll, I'll, I'll close with this, but in, in church, our, um, it wasn't our regular pastor, but our, our intern was preaching today. And, one of the things he talked about was where God says, you know, hey, I haven't desired the sacrifices, you know, that, and it's like, well, 
wait a minute, didn't he order the sacrifices? Mm-hmm. Isn't that? But yes, he did. But what he desires is the pure heart. What he yeah. desires is obedience. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a great point to bring out. It is a great point. And so... Speaking of leaving things out. Speaking of leaving things out, let's talk about psalm paraphrases a little bit more. Yeah. We're going to go over... uh, We're going to do two psalm paraphrases today. Both cover the same psalm. Psalm 42, which is the official Balm of Gilead favorite psalm. It just is. Let's just just face it. Um, It has become one of our favorites, for sure. 42, 43. um, Yeah. Yeah. And and so this both of these songs cover Psalm uh, 42, and Psalm 42 has had a lot of a lot of people have tried to cover this psalm. Uh, some have done it well, some have done it not as well. In fact, this episode is named after one of the not as wells. Uh, I just felt like using it anyway. Uh, it'll help me remember which one which one it was. Um, and. Uh, so just in case you're wondering, like, oh, man, he really likes that song. No, I just used the title. Um, <laughs> it's very popular. Though. It's very, I, yes. I mean, our kids love it. We say it, we still sing it sometimes. But, yeah, uh, yeah um, it's, uh, it's there. Um, that said, this first song, it takes Psalm 42, verses 7 and 8 uh, is what the chorus is based on. And the, the mm-hmm. verses in the song are based on Psalm 63.1. So I'm just going to read these uh, these verses first, and then I'm going to get into okay. the song itself. And I believe okay. that you have some commentary from the well, one Well, I just think it would be Calvin. really interesting if maybe you could could read for us. Yeah. Let, like, let's do this first, and then uh, we'll, we'll kind of get into that. Yeah, so, so this song is... It's Waterfall by Chris Tomlin, uh, if you haven't guessed that already or read the show notes. But uh, I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and read these, these verses. Psalm 63.1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I uh-huh. seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then uh, Psalm 42.7 and 8 is, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So those three verses in that exact context uh, is what is driving this particular song. Sure. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. You can see the, um, the uh, I thirst for you, you know, running wild and free, you hearing deep calls to deep. Your yeah. love is like a waterfall, waterfall. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get into the the lyrics of the song. So verse All one. Right. Verse one says, "Oh God, my God, I seek you. I want to move when you move. You're more than I could long for. I thirst for you." So that is pulling from the Psalm sixty three uh, one, and then mm-hmm. the pre-chorus says, "You're an ocean to my soul, to my soul." which as the best that we can gather is that it's an abundance of water that I can presumably drink. Um, maybe this depth, this, uh, I don't, I don't really know. I think it must be, yeah, it must be on this depth calls to deep or, yeah. you know, depth calleth unto depth in the old King, 
King James. Yeah. Or Deep Calls to Deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, so the chorus goes, "Your love is like a waterfall, 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 running wild and free. You hear my voice when I call, when I call, when I call, when I call. Deep calls to deep. Your love is like a waterfall, waterfall, raining down on me. Waterfall, waterfall. Um." This song It's a peppy little song, isn't it? It's an earworm in the yeah. worst of ways. Uh What? Yes. Uh Explain yourself, sir. Explain myself means I I it's hard to get it out of your head. And if you want to get a song in your head, you want a song that you want in your head. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Uh verse 2 says, "Oh God, my God, I seek you in this dry and desert land." You lead me to streams of mercy once again. And then it goes back into that pre-chorus, chorus, waterfall, waterfall. And then the bridge, it's coming like a flood. I'm dancing in the rain. Everything I've done is covered in rivers of grace. Amazing. And then there's a chorus, bridge, infinity loop there at the end. And then it ends. Fade to black. And then fade to black. Um, yeah, so this this song, if you if all you were to look at was verses seven and eight from Psalm forty two, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. If that is your entire mm-hmm. context for this song, mm-hmm. then this this song makes sense. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. have you know this. This roaring waterfall just raining down on me, and then and, and uh, you know by the day the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night He's singing His song over me. You know this is this is nice, good, like feel good stuff going on. But mm-hmm. we have to remember that Psalm forty two is a lament. It is it's a lament of um, it's remembering these days when I used to worship and now, you know, why are you Mm -hmm. cast down? Oh, my soul. And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You know, there's this idea of this longing, like feeling abandoned by God and especially the, the, the breakers and the waves. That was a very, very violent, um, image He's kind of making it sound like I'm standing in my shower with the water coming down on me and just dancing and having a good time. <laughs> but this is like a very, oh man, we should have a video podcast. Um, we, We're going to we, have to do that. Yeah, we will. Uh, just for those of you at home that couldn't see Grant dancing, it was pretty beautiful. Um, yeah, so this idea of these breakers and the waves, they are pounding me. Uh, I, I think of the the Charles Spurgeon quote that says, "I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me up against the rock of ages." Mm. Uh, that is what I think of when I when I hear verses seven and eight of Psalm forty two. It is this violent coursing water that is basically just devastating. Um, we both listened to a podcast when we were. Uh, we were doing research for this episode uh, called More Than a Song. Uh, mm-hmm. More Than a Song is a podcast look and feel very similar to this one, except for they lack a lot of discernment. Um, 
they basically, if it's a Christian song, then it's worth singing in church. And here is the theology that might be hidden among the lyrics, I think is something they actually say on the podcast. And at the end of the episode that they did on Waterfall, they said that it's this lady, she says, all of the theologians and commentaries out there liken this waterfall to the sorrows, to man's sorrows just pouring over me. But I kind of like Chris Tomlin's take on it being God's love. What do you guys think? And what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? And, uh, (laughs) and we were both just dumbstruck by that. Like you acknowledge that all theologians and commentaries say this is something totally opposite from what Chris Tomlin is saying, but you want to go with Chris Tomlin? the the minority voice in this. So anyway, uh, in that context, this song, it's, it's just, it's a farce. It is, uh, it is taking this image of, of the sorrows of man and, um, and really the weight of the sin of the world that, Mm -hmm. that we can't bear that, that running over us will just devastate and pummel us against the rock of ages. And, and it's wanting us to just dance in the rain. Um, it just, it loses the point. And I said earlier that passion, uh, has, is a breeding ground for antinomianism. And this song is an example of that. It's let's remove all aspects of sin and repentance and instead let's dance in the rain of God's love. Uh, as this very vague thing that doesn't really affect my life uh, other than I have my fire insurance because of it. Um, there's, there's no depth to this song. There's no, uh, there's no, there's nothing about life's struggles, which this Psalm is all about life's struggles. It's about um, wrestling with this idea of whether or not I I'm with God. Like maybe one day I will remember, I'll be able to praise him again. I I long for this day where I can say, you know, I will praise you again. I mean, this is, this is a dark Psalm and this song just, it misses it, um, misses it by infinity. Yeah. So what is it, you, you know, what is it about these type of songs that are written about a lament and instead of really pushing into that they want to cover over it with this language that is nearly giddy yeah um about you know dancing and uh covered in rivers of grace amazing and an ocean to my soul, to my soul, you know, running wild and free, that, that, that kind of imagery. What is it about, what is that saying, would you say, uh, to your, your average Christian listening to this on the radio? I, I can't imagine singing this in church. Can you? But, uh, no, I, I, would, I would not want to sing this song in church. Uh, I, I think that it just it is so misrepresentative of the scripture that it is trying to uh, be a part of that. I, I think that it's like, it, it doesn't lend itself 
to corporate worship because it is so misrepresentative of, of scripture. Um, but when I, when I think about, you know, this leaving out of the law, which passion is, it's known for doing that. Like we talked about the passion, uh, remix of in Christ alone, where they cut out all of verse two, which is the, which is oh, yeah. the cross. Like they, they cut the cross out of in Christ mm-hmm. alone completely because it said wrath of God and it mm-hmm. said sin. And so they cut it out. Um, passion. Can't have that propitiation yeah. right. for we, sin. <laughs> we just want, we just want to, to praise God. You know, why, why bring up all these, these negative emotions? We just want to, we just want to dance in the rain and, huh. and you can't do that. Dancing in the rain, apart from the truth of the gospel, is it's it's idol worship, and and mm-hmm. by this I'm I'm going to go with option two. It's just lazy. It's mm. it, you might be worshiping the right God, but you're doing it not by His standard. Uh, you're doing it by your own standard. You're being lazy, and uh, and we can't have that. Like this is this is how you stray off of that, that razor thin wire. You, mm. you just take, you, you pick and choose what you, what you want. And, yeah. and it makes it all about me. I've picked and I've chosen this mm-hmm. and it makes it about me. It's not about God anymore. I don't care what God wants. I just want, I just want what I want. God is not Burger King. You don't get it your way, which you you can get things your way at Chick-fil-A as well. I'm just going to throw that out. Um, but God isn't that way. God is the soup Nazi. You you get what you get, and you don't pitch a fit. That was probably heretical. Well, uh, I was going to say, I've been doing a little bit of studying on the attributes of God lately, which led me to the Jerusalem chamber where they're talking about Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 2, uh, where it talks really about God's attributes, right? And the first paragraph lays out about 30 different attributes of God. And the part that I really want to concentrate on, the part that I think is speaking to what you're you're kind of getting at there is, uh, it says, there is but one only living and true God, and then dot, 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 we'll say, uh, but then it says, without body, parts, or passions. And what that is talking about there is you can't slice out the love part of God and say, well, there's there's the love piece of God, and then uh, wrath is over here. Uh, we have, you know, kind of his kindness over here. He, his wisdom, he's most wise, is kind of over here. Incomprehensible is kind of over here. It's not like that at all. He is love. He is immense, eternal, most wise, most holy, uh, most absolute, all at the same time. And so when you you don't get like just a piece of God. And so when a song comes along and tries to kind of carve out just that one little piece and like really play that up, um, I, I feel like that's a mistake. Now, don't hear us say that God isn't love somehow. We're not saying that at all. Uh, what we're saying is God isn't going to react to sin differently, say, uh, he's without body parts or passions. It's not like he's feeling this way one day and feeling this other way another day. And we've kind of talked about that before, I, I, I feel like. But uh, I think it's really relevant to these 
types of songs that want to just like really concentrate on just one tiny aspect of uh, God and try and cut that out from the rest of who God is, where the Psalms won't let you do that, right? Right. Psalm 42 isn't letting us get away with that. And unfortunately, I feel like it cheapens it a little bit. It, it absolutely does. It absolutely cheapens yeah. it. That's a, that's a great way of looking at it. So maybe to close this out with this particular song, I thought it would be really fun if maybe we could have a responsive reading. Mm-hmm. Um, let's have you maybe do verse one, and then I'm going to read a little bit of Calvin's commentary on Psalm 42, seven. Then you could do the chorus. Then I'll do a little bit more. And then you could maybe do the bridge and we'll just kind of bring it full circle. Can we do that? Sounds good. Okay. All right. Go for it. All right. Oh God, my God, I seek you. I want to move when you move. You're more than I could long for. I thirst for you. Depth calleth unto depth. These words expressed the grievousness as well as the number and long continuance of the miseries which he suffered, as if he had said, I am oppressed not only with one kind of misery, but various kinds of distress return one after another, so that there seems to be neither end nor measure to them. In the first place, by the term death, he shows that the temptations by which he was assailed were such that they might well be compared to gulfs in the sea. Then he complains of their long continuance, which he describes by the very appropriate figure that his temptations cry out from a distance and call to one another. Okay, go ahead. Your love is like a waterfall, waterfall, running wild and free. You hear my voice when I call, when I call. Deep calls to deep. Your love is like a waterfall, waterfall, raining down on me. In the second part of the verse, he continues the same metaphor when he says that all the waves and floods of God have passed over his head. By this, he means that he had been overwhelmed and, as it were, swallowed up by the accumulation of afflictions. It ought, however, to be observed that he designates the cruelty of Saul and his other enemies, floods of God, that in all our adversities, we may always remember to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, which afflicts us. But it is of importance to go beyond this and to consider, what if it should please God to rain with violence upon us, as soon as he shall have opened his sluices or water spouts? There will be no termination to our miseries till he is appeased, for he has in his power means marvelous and unknown for executing his vengeance against us. O God, my God, I seek you in this dry and desert land. You lead me to streams of mercy once again. It's coming like a flood. I'm dancing in the rain. Everything I've done is covered in rivers of grace. Amazing. Thus, when once his anger is kindled against us, there will be not only one depth to swallow us up, but depth will call unto depths. And, as the insensibility of men is such that they do not stand in awe of the threatenings of God to the degree in which they ought. Whenever mention is made of his vengeance, let us recall this verse to our recollection. Here ends the reading of uh, Calvin and Waterfall by Chris Tomlin. Yes. That's going to be a new rage. Uh, <laughs> I, I did want... I, I'm just, <laughs> I know. It just points out it exactly what... I'm trying to get across in a way that I feel is a little bit more impactful. Right. And that is how we say the song cheapens the Psalm because it takes this, 
this depth of the misery of man and says it's about God's love. I mean, it's that's what it's it's what passion does with their music. It that's that is where they fall short. Is they focus so heavily on the love of God that they refuse to talk about any other attribute. Now you mentioned that it's it we shouldn't take one attribute of God and focus on it on a song. I, I would say I disagree with with that. I'd say you shouldn't take one attribute of God and focus an entire ministry on that one attribute at the expense of all others. But mm. um, for example, Shy Lin has an album that's the attributes of God and each song highlights a different attribute of God. Okay. Um, but at the same time, if you're going to talk about the love of God, you have to also talk about the the justice of God, the wrath of God, the grace of God, mm-hmm. the mercy of God, and how all of that plays together. You can't have one without any of the rest of that. Um, and yeah, and yeah. Otherwise, it comes across kind of yeah. Otherwise, it's weak. Yeah, it's it's weak. It's a weak a love. Fluffy. Yeah, it's it's a love I don't want. Like it's that's not that's that's a that's that's a Labrador Retriever. It's a reckless love. It is. It's a reckless love. It's exactly. Never where that song comes from. It's probably probably so. But you know, I don't worship a Labrador Retriever. A Labrador Retriever worships me. To to have a God who is of that kind of love puts me in the glory seat. God is always going to come back to me, no matter what I do, no matter how much, no matter what I do to him, he's always going to forgive me. He's always going to come back to me. And at that point, it doesn't matter what I do. And that Mm. is how it breeds. Uh, It's a breeding ground for antinomianism. That's a good pushback on what I was talking about. And let's you think that we're these joyless, loveless people. I will say uh, we could have gone ahead and read Calvin's commentary on 42.8, where it talks about Jehovah will command his loving kindness by day. Um, and I will leave that to an exercise to the reader yeah. um, because we want to move along to our next song. But I would encourage you to go do that. We'll make sure that the links are in there. Yeah. But the, you will see when those two things are just, I think this is where I was trying to like get. Um, and I appreciate the correction there uh, from you. But when we, we, we hold these things both in mm-hmm. tension, uh, as the psalm does, then that is uh, much more powerful, much more meaningful, um, and much more, dare I say, worshipful mm-hmm. than a song that just uh, talks about love being a waterfall. Yes. Um, I did want to say one thing that Chris Tomlin does well before yes. before moving on. And that is, he takes two psalms that have a very similar theme, and he really highlights that similarity. Yeah. And, and I think that the Bible is... Awesome. The Bible is written by God, and mm-hmm. and the Bible is is a tool that you can use to uh, to read the rest of the Bible. The, the Bible will interpret itself through other passages. And so when he, when he pairs uh, Psalm 63 with Psalm 42... That was a good thing to do. That was something that uh, that it allows us to see a bigger picture and how the Bible is uh, is consistent. And our next song, I, I feel, does the exact same thing with more or less the exact same passage. Um, 
The song is called Satisfied in You by a band called The Sing Team. The The Sing Team, I believe, was one of the Mars Hill bands. Uh, and I don't know if they're making music anymore. I haven't looked into anything that they're doing yeah. recently. But I, I don't This think... album came out in 2012, just for... Yeah. So it, I don't know that this band is still is still around. Uh, a lot of the Mars Hill bands kind of disbanded um, around the time that that all fell apart. But I, that's not what this episode is about. Uh, uh, Real time follow up: They did release a uh, last the a album called "The Last Christmas" in 2020. Okay, Kids Sing On in 2019. Um. And other ones called Sing On, but they seem like they're more, they're, it's different. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's who, that's where this song is coming from. And this song, like this band, I think they do a lot of kids stuff. Like it's, their stuff seems a little bit juvenile. Like I, I, I've listened through a lot of their stuff and I don't really like most of it. It just, it feels like it is trying to cater to children, which is not a bad thing. Uh, it's actually, that's a very good thing but I'm not a child. And so it doesn't cater to me, but, um, and, and, uh, I do recommend this band. I, I feel like just from what I've heard, they're, they're pretty solid, but this song I think is their most popular song on Spotify. And, um, it is very different than, than the rest of their, their catalog. I'm going to go ahead and start going through the, the lyrics of this song. And we're going to break after each, uh, each section and kind of look at the source material. Um, I, it's they cover the whole psalm instead of just two verses, and so I, I will have to kind of go around. They also jump around a little bit and add kind of their own um, their own reflection as they go. So verse one starts: "I have lost my appetite." I'm going to stop right there and say this already out of the gate is a completely different mood than Waterfall. You have a lament. Yes. So, I have lost my appetite, and a flood is welling up behind my eyes, so I eat the tears I cry. And if that were not enough, they know just the words to cut and tear and prod when they ask me, where's your God? So if you start in uh, in verse 3, so Psalm 42 verse 3 says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Uh, so that's that's pretty good. You know, they're 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 sticking with it. Uh pre-chorus, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your face to me. So then we jump down to verse 5 of the psalm. It says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Which, really, that whole phrase obviously comes back in verse 10 Mm -hmm. and also in 43. Um, So it almost functions as a chorus uh, within the psalm itself. 
not many psalms have yeah, choruses. Not that psalms were written in a Western style. Right. Uh, but this, <laughs> I think we're doing a bit of anachronism. There. Right. Yeah. This psalm is actually very, very similar uh, to a Western song. Like the, the structure of the psalm is very similar to what we would use, which I think is why there's so many paraphrases of this particular one. Um, the chorus to this song is, As the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. And we, when I behold your glory, you so faithfully renew like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh. I am satisfied in you. And uh, verse 1 of the psalm says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul uh, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Uh, and then going into verse 2, uh, this one has an interesting line. I'll, I'll read through it and we'll talk about it. But it says, When I'm staring at the ground, it's an inbred feedback loop that brings me down. So it's time to lift my brow and remember better days when I love to worship you and all your ways with the sweetest songs of praise. And if you look at verse four uh, of the psalm, it says, sure. these, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go down with the throng and lead them in, in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Uh, and so we, uh, so we have that. This, this line is an inbred feedback loop that brings me down. That's, that's a very like a feedback loop is a very modern phrase. I think of if you've ever been in church and all of a sudden that you just have a loud have in buzzing in the, in the microphone, like that would be a feedback loop. It's the, the monitor is getting picked up in the microphone, which then goes back to the monitor, which gets picked up in the microphone again. And it just continues to get loud and loud. And, um, and you don't want that. Everyone then turns around and looks at the soundboard and the soundboard says, I hear it too. I have ears. I'm working on it. It's because the guy up front put his microphone too close to the monitor. So it's not my fault. That's what happens, right? Uh, it's just all sorts of devastating. So when you think about that kind of in this idea, it's an inbred feedback loop that brings me down. It's, I think of like this vicious cycle of, I am feeling bad. And when I feel bad, it makes me think back to this time where things were good, which reminds me of how bad I'm feeling. So I feel even worse. And, um, and I might, I might be thinking of something stupid that I did last week and that makes me feel even worse. And so I just, it, it's a, it's this vicious cycle that I can't pull myself out of. So when I'm staring at the ground, it's an inbred feedback loop that brings me down. And, uh, and so I remember better days when I love to worship you in all your ways with the sweetest songs of praise, but why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I, I, I can remember when you showed your grace to me. Uh, as the deer pants for water, soul, my soul thirsts for you. And when I survey your splendor, you so faithfully renew like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh. I am satisfied in you. Uh, I want to talk about the prosody that, that's in that line as he's singing. Um, that first half of that chorus a lot of words it's as the deer pants for water so my soul thirsts for you 
And when I survey your splendor, you so faithfully renew, like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh. I am satisfied in you. And so when he gets that bed of rest, he, he just, it just calms down. And I, I love that. I love that part of, of the song. Um, That's really brilliant. And uh, it goes into this bridge. And this bridge is more of a reflection of the text. It says, let my sighs give way to songs that sing about your faithfulness. Let my pain reveal your glory as my only real rest. Let my losses show me all I truly have is you. Because all I truly have is you. So when I'm drowning out at sea, and your breakers and your waves crash down on me, I'll recall your safety scheme. You're the one who made the waves, and your son went out to suffer in my place and to tell me that I'm safe. So why am I down? Why so disturbed? I'm satisfied in you. So there's this line, I'll, I'll recall your safety scheme. That's It's a weird way of, of putting this out there. Uh, I'm imagining that he was thinking about talking about you know this drowning out at sea, the breakers and your waves crash down on me. Me being in the western uh, area of the world, uh, we have rivers, but I guess not even necessarily the western, but in the modern this modern time, we have rivers, but we don't utilize our rivers as as much as as was done in the in the past. Uh, this idea of the ocean is an idea that, that lands with me a little bit better. And so when I read verse seven, when it says all your breakers and your waves have gone over me, I, my immediate, my immediate thought was the ocean, but, uh, it's in, it's actually in reference to the Jordan river. Uh, this, uh, which in the kind of the, the rainier season, um, it can become a very, very violent river. And so there's the breakers and these waves. It's referring to the rushing river, which uh, quite honestly, a rushing river is a terrifying thing. Um, it's, it is just a very terrifying picture. You, if you're an explorer and you come across that, it's like, this is it. Like, I can't get around this. I will die if I jump in that water. And, uh, and so this drowning out at sea with their breakers and your waves crash down on me. That's, that was the image that I got when I was reading the Psalm. And I think of, uh, like a life, a lifesaver being thrown out to me to keep me above the water that would work in this particular image. It wouldn't work as much in the Jordan river, um, idea, but, uh, kind of going to what they're looking at. This safety scheme is just a weird way. I think they chose that because it rhymed, um, but he goes on to explain it because you're the one who made the waves and your son went out to suffer my place and to tell me that I'm safe. Uh, you know, we use the word saved. The Bible uses the word saved. Um, and it's, it's weird. It's, it's the same root as the word safe, but we don't think of it as, as, as that, as, as being safe. We think of it as being rescued. But they're the same idea. It's just a word we we don't use as much. So I'm just kind of thinking about that. You know, I think about resting in the like under the wings 
uh, being protected, uh, hiding behind the shield, those all lead to the same place, a place of safety. So it's just an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, uh, ultimately, you know, we, we look at verse, uh, verse nine, it says, say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? You know, why am I mourning because of, uh, the oppression of my enemies? Uh, he's referring to God as his rock, which in other Psalms is, uh, is an image of safety. And, and we are remembering that safety, even though he doesn't necessarily in that, in the Psalm at that point, he's not relying on God's safety. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of mad at God, you know, said to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? But, you know, we, we can still find that hope. We still see it even in here, you know, hope in God for I shall again, praise him, my, my salvation and my God. Uh, I, I find this song to just be a beautiful representation of, of this psalm. Uh, it is a paraphrase, and so it does he does enter his own language. He kind of has some things that are a little, I don't understand what you mean. I have to think about this a little bit more deeply. Um, and so for that, I don't know that I would sing this in church. But I will put it on repeat on my Spotify all day long, uh, and I have. Uh, I'm I'm betting that this one's going to be in my top ten for 2021 already, um, because I continue. I, I plan to continue to listen to it. Yeah, I want to pick up on some of the things that you were talking about, Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you mentioned the prosody of the like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh. Um, and really that is a, a wonderful picture there too. But then uh, even in the, um, the, so when I'm drowning out at sea and your breakers and your waves crash down on me, um, there is, is something of that too. Like you, you talk about like words kind of like jumbled together right in that area. I apologize. My dog is, moaning in the background she's very sad um but uh, you know i'm reading derek kidner's commentary on this particular part and he mentions that uh something of the jordan's booming and hissing seems to be echoed in the hebrew of verse seven which i am not a hebrew reader uh, but it says something to the effect of to home el to home koi lekul uh Kareka, something like that. And so uh, that is apparently perhaps meant to be kind of like that same thing. So uh, I think that's really neat that both the original psalmist and then the psalm paraphrase are both using kind of those ideas uh, within the psalm. Uh, And another thing that I do think is a uh, like in the reflection part, I think is a really interesting piece of it is that he's mm. reflecting on it and says, and your breakers and your waves crash down on me. Yeah. Um, and I, that is such a relief in a lot of ways, even though uh, like we read in Calvin, boy, this is, you know, just piling on the troubles. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, when we see that, uh, let me get the actual words from the psalm. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. We know it's 
God. Um, but but God couldn't possibly be be pouring the, these troubles on top of me. It has to be His love, right? Because that's what God pours on us is His love. And He does, but that is you, you know not what is in view here. I don't think. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, so one of the other things that Kidner mentions in his commentary on this verse is that it's. Uh, the waters are seen as thy cataracts, thy waves, thy billows. And above all, verse 8 is deeply assured of God's presence as verses 9 F, uh, nine and following are hurt by his absence. And I think that this particular song paraphrase does a really nice job mm. of bringing that out. It really does. Uh, when it's recalling your safety scheme. And by that, I assume he's meaning, look, uh, we are rescued, like kind of yeah. like you, what you were saying. So. Yeah, and uh, I did want to to point out as well that the idea of being satisfied is not found in Psalm forty two. Like it's this the the hook of the song. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, the the hook of the song. I'm satisfied in you. I believe is found in Psalm sixty three, which is what Tomlin also pulled from. And I, I want to read verse one and verse five. Verse one says, "O God, my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh." faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water and uh in the uh in satisfied new it says as a deer pants for water so my soul thirsts for you when i survey your splendor you so faithfully renew like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh fainting flesh is found in verse uh, in uh, psalm 63 and then in verse 5 of 63 it says my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. And so this idea of as a bed of rest from my fainting flesh, I'm satisfied in you. I think he is pulling that from Psalm 63, um, which is a very similar psalm. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that is the song, Satisfied in You. Uh, ultimately, I, th I think we've kind of covered it enough. Uh, we're getting... Uh, kind of pulled away by real life, so we need to go ahead and <laughs> and and wrap this up a little bit. But are, are there any final remarks you'd like to say before we sign off? Yes, there is. I would like to encourage all of you to stay tuned to the end of the broadcast, where uh, Brian is going to have rich information to pull from uh, for the shenanigans and silliness that has happened yes yeah I've, yeah we i haven't been putting any behind the like after the credits uh bloopers because we haven't had too many good ones but this this episode i might have a, a montage uh it's been good it's, it's been a good day we're recording in the middle of the day instead of at night uh which is different and it yeah it's ripe for children a, are awake for children one. and dogs and all that good stuff so <laughs> all that said I will sign us off and say that as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. There is a bone in the to make the wounded whole. There is a bone in the to heal the
listening to the Balm and Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balm and Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast. All right. Um, That was fun. What did you do, Ash? Ash, she finished her Her shoe bone. All righty. That's why you should name, you should always name your pets names that you wouldn't name your kids. That way, when you're yelling into the microphone, get down, Ash, I know that you're actually talking about a dog, not <laughs> one of your children. Here, Ashley, take a bone. Chew on this oh, for a while. Yeah, you can see her right there. Yeah, She's uh, joining us. All right. She's a very sweet dog. That's good. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> is she, is she, uh, she will always love you. She doesn't matter what you do to her. She will always come back. She, um, she's a faithful, she's a faithful lover of you and. <laughs> yes it sounds like you're quoting a song <laughs> i'm just i'm just just thinking <laughs>